The uh, gospel reading this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. It is on page 1015 of the Church Bible, if anyone has a Church Bible this morning. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth Payage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? This is the word of the Lord. We live in a crazy world, don't we? Well, sometimes, to me it seems crazy at times. Our private Facebook data being used to influence an American election. A military-grade nerve agent on the streets of Salisbury. And closer to home, many people are losing their social security benefits because you can only apply for universal credit online, which excludes many of the most vulnerable people in our society. And so thousands are falling into poverty unnecessarily. Why do we punish the most vulnerable? How are we meant to live in such a crazy world? We could be cynical, couldn't we? But actually, is there a better way to live? That's just what I want to think about this morning. Is there a better way to live? And... And I suppose that my answer this morning is that as Christians, we're called to live prophetically. Which is, I think, not only the right way to live, but also the most exciting way to live, even if it takes a little courage. So what do I mean by living prophetically? Well, I'm going to give you a definition in a moment, and then I'm going to give you some examples to show you what I mean. And let me just say to the families who've brought uh, Lily Rose and Toby to the baptisms this morning that you may not realise it, but what you've done this morning is a powerful prophetic act. And I'll come back to that later. So here is my, here is my definition. Living prophetically means to live now as if we already inhabited a future world where things were just as God intended them to be. Living now as if everything was right with the world, rather than the opposite. Here's an example. When the white apartheid government ruled the black majority population of South Africa by fear and violence and rigid control, they imprisoned many of the black leaders on Robben Island off the coast of Cape Town. 
where they were forced to spend all day breaking rocks with sledgehammers in this limestone quarry. You can see it today if you go to Cape Town and take a boat out to Robben Island. Nelson Mandela was in prison for a total of 26 years and had no idea if he or his friends would ever get out. Now, do you see the cave in the quarry? That's where the prisoners would go to the toilet in order to have some privacy. You can imagine how badly it stank because there weren't any facilities. They just went on the ground. But because of that, the guards who stood on top of the the line of the quarry with their machine guns to make sure none of them escaped never went near the cave because it smelled so bad. Do you know what Nelson Mandela and his friends did? What they did was that they met in that stinking cave, out of sight of the guards, week after week, year after year, whenever they could, and there they dreamed of a new South Africa, where everyone could vote, live and work in freedom. It's amazing, but the bulk of the formal constitution of South Africa today was written in that cave. Isn't that amazing? That is living prophetically. That is not living with, their, with the circumstances as they were. That was living for a better future. That was living prophetically. They could have looked at their situation and knowing that they had no power to change it, they could have just tried to survive and grin and bear it. But they didn't. They imagined a new South Africa. Which do you think is a more hopeful and a better way to live? Obviously, living prophetically. And that is just how Jesus lived as well. And in our Bible reading that you just heard that Inga read, Jesus lives out this powerful prophetic act by riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. He travelled 15 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem on foot, climbing more than 3,000 feet in about 12 miles. The, The towns are not very far apart. In 1981, I made that same journey in a minibus. And the road goes through hot, dry, arid, sort of rocky country. Um, But then it reaches the top of the Mount of Olives, and you get kind of green greenery starts to, to come around. Then you come over the top, and you see this amazing view of Jerusalem. In Jesus' day, it might have looked a bit like this, with the temple on the top of the mountain. And... On this particular occasion that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, it was the time of the annual Passover feast when tens of thousands of Jewish pilgrims descended upon Jerusalem to celebrate the exodus, to remember the time when God had saved them out of slavery in Egypt and brought them to the promised land. And they would meet relatives and they would, they would, uh, they would sing and pray and dance and, and there would be great feasts and it would be an amazing probably a bit like Christmas here. And in this particular year, there was a group of Jesus followers whose expectations could not have been higher. For them, this wasn't just a Passover weekend. For them, it was kingdom time because they had come to realise that Jesus was the Christ, the long-prophesied Messiah, the anointed one, the true King of Israel. And Jesus decides to ride into the city on a donkey. And my clicker's gone, Martin, could you move me on, please? 
And Jesus decides to ride into the city on a donkey. Why? Because it was a prophecy hundreds of years earlier, written down by the prophet Zechariah, which we heard in our reading, which goes like this. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. And the crowd get it. They make the link. They understand. Because they start laying down their coats and and, and waving these palm branches as Jesus rides in. And the only people you ever did that for was royalty. And in the hotbed of first century Roman-occupied Israel, that was a very, very provocative act. The authorities would not have liked the idea of some new king trying to come in and take power. The expectations and the stakes could not have been higher. But there's a catch. Because if Jesus is riding into Jerusalem as king on this donkey, how come... A few days later, he is nailed to a cross and executed by the authorities. Surely, his prophetic act has just failed dismally, and the forces of evil have won out. But what the people don't realise, and not even the disciples realise until later, is that Jesus never intended to be an earthly king with armies and servants and political power. In fact, What happened on what we call Good Friday, the day Jesus died on the cross, was that evil itself was utterly defeated. Because of God's overwhelming love for us, on the cross, Jesus took all of the evil of all humanity, every wrong thing that you and I have ever done, said or thought. And when he rose from the dead three days later, on that first Easter day, it was proof that God's love had triumphed over evil and death. That's why we celebrate Easter so joyfully. And the Bible tells us that all those who accept the Lordship of Jesus, those who do turn to Christ, as we heard in the liturgy this morning, those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And being baptised means to become a son or daughter of God. And when parents like Claire and Ryan and Louisa bring their children to baptism, it is a powerful prophetic act. Why? Well, these very young children don't yet have a Christian faith, do they? But infant baptism says that we see a time in the future when they will own this faith for themselves. We want them to be brought up as Christians and one day they will say these words for themselves. Now, of course, we don't know that they will. That's what makes it prophetic. It's living out and acting out a vision that there will be a world in which Lily Rose and Toby profess the faith of Jesus and follow him. And this prophetic act of baptism challenges every single one of us here in church this morning. Why? Because it begs the question, how are we acting out the future heavenly kingdom of God now here on earth? How are we living prophetically? If you can say that today you are a Christian, 
then how are you living out that future kingdom? How are we bringing and being good news in the world that we inhabit? How are we bringing healing and love into the broken parts of the families and communities that we know and live in? Well, it's probably not fair to challenge unless I offer a few suggestions. So finally, how can we live prophetically? And the simple answer to that, the simple answer is to follow Jesus, to do what Jesus did. And whenever people asked Jesus how they should live, he had one stock answer. He said, love God and love your neighbour, by which he meant all your fellow human beings. In other words, everyone. But we can't really follow Jesus unless we get to know him. So there are a few things we can do to help. Firstly, we can read about Jesus in the Bible, in the Gospels and the letters of the New Testament, because the more we know about him and how he lived, it will help us to follow him and to live like him. Secondly, we can get to know him better by speaking to him in prayer. That's what prayer is. It's speaking to God through Jesus. And there's no better place to start than the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus taught his disciples and which we're all going to say in a few minutes' time. And thirdly, by putting all of that into action, by putting love into action and living prophetically. Do you realise that every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we actually pray to live that prophetic life? Because in the prayer it says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we're praying that heaven, which is our future, will be experienced now on earth in the present, in our lives. When we live on earth as though we are in heaven, we bring hope, we bring healing, we restore broken relationships... We hold on to nothing because we trust that God will give us everything. So we're generous, we're unselfish, we're compassionate, we're honest. It isn't easy, but it's a brilliant way to live. Jesus didn't come to make life easy, he came to make lives great. It wasn't easy for Nelson Mandela and his friends breaking rocks for 26 years whilst holding on to the vision of a new South Africa, but it was the very best thing they could do. I have a good buddy I meet up with from time to time for lunch. Uh, And and we share what's going on in our lives and we pray for one another. And he uses a really simple thing to live prophetically. He wears one of those WWJD wristbands. WWJD stands for What Would Jesus Do? It just has those four initials on the wristband. But it it reminds us to live prophetically. And the thing is, it used to be quite a fad and everybody would got one. And lots of people wore them, but mostly it only lasted a few days, and then people took them off or they lost them. But this buddy of mine, he wears it all the time. And when he's got a situation at work which is testing his mind or his patience or his sanity, that wristband helps him to slow down, take a deep breath, send up a prayer, and really consider what would Jesus do in this situation. And you know, it's amazing how that wristband has transformed situations for him at work and at home. So that instead of reacting or stressing or moaning, he's living prophetically. And giving those around him a little window into God's 
kingdom and making the world a better place. So as we head into the Easter holidays, let's ask ourselves, what would it mean for us to live prophetically? How could we live as if heaven really had come down to earth? How will those prophetic words spoken by the parents and godparents be realized in the lives of these two lovely children? And how could the church family support them in this? Just as Jesus rode into Jerusalem toward the cross of his suffering, but our salvation, how might we lay down our lives for the salvation of others? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your love means and your salvation means that we can live in the joy and the hope and the expectation of our future destiny in heaven for all who believe. And we pray that more and more we would learn to live prophetically, to live like Jesus and bring heaven down to earth in our lives. For Jesus' sake, amen.